Well, good morning, and happy Mother's Day to all of the moms out here. Hey, here's, um, here's one thing you can do to help support the moms. We really want to do the best we can to support the moms. One of the things you can do is we, on every one of our Sunday teams right now, we've got babies coming, you know? So going back to what Jennifer said about those blue sheets, in addition to helping yourself uh, get better connected, every one of our Sunday morning teams has babies coming. And I know these moms, and they're like, oh, I need to step down, but I'm feeling like then our team's going to be a little short-staffed. So you can just take out, if you want to support a mom, you can just take out that little blue sheet and fill it out because our worship team has got babies coming. Your teams have got babies coming. Our ECC Kids team always has babies coming. So we would love for you to, to, to help us out. And not only does it help you get better connected, not only does it help some of our moms feel, ah, oh, I can step away with, with confidence, it helps us honor God, you know, to, to have all of our teams full-staffed all summer long really makes a difference. It helps us honor God. Well, speaking of honor God, one of the things I've said before here in this room is this. If you're going to represent God, represent him well. If you're going to represent God, represent him well. Well, earlier this spring, there was a movie that came out called Son of God. Now, I didn't see the movie, so I'm not going to comment on the movie, but there was a critic that I want to respond to. There was this critic who had these two things that just bugged him. He was a male critic, and it just bugged him that in the movie Son of God, some of the people following Jesus around as he traveled were women. That really bugged him. He said, that's not biblical, he said. And the other thing that really bugged him, he said, on Easter, the way they portrayed Easter was so unbiblical because everyone knows Peter was the first in the empty tomb, and they had a woman in the empty tomb first. That's so unbiblical. Biblical. <laughs> I'm glad some of you are, are laughing. If you're going to position yourself as an authority on the sacred texts, make sure that you represent the sacred text well. Let's open up the sacred text today. If you have your Bibles, let's take a look at uh, Luke chapter 8. We've been in Luke since way before Easter, and I just want to show you a little passage in, in reference to this, this critic here. This is Luke chapter 8, starting with verse 1. I want to let you know, too, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one today. We'd love for you to have one so you can become more informed about this book um, and meet God in it. There's a stack at each of the doors. Please take one. It's a gift to you. Here we go. Um, we're women traveling with Jesus. Here's what it says in Luke's account, Luke chapter 8, starting with verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, meaning those male disciples, and also some, say it with me, women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Johanna, remember her and remember what her hubby, her hubby's husband worked for, okay? So Johanna was the wife of Chusa, manager of Herod's household, and Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. All right, did women ever travel with Jesus? Yes, yes. There, there were women that traveled with Jesus. And not only that, according to this text, there were some women who were helped funding the mission trip. Helped funding the mission trip. And why I wanted you to, to just keep Johanna in, in mind there, who did her hubby work for? Herod. There's another passage in the scripture that, that where some people come up to Jesus and they said, do you know Herod wants you dead, Jesus? So her hubby works for a guy who wants Jesus dead dead, and at the very least does, is not a big Jesus fan. And I'm just picturing my head, because these are real people. And a lot of times we don't think about real people having real conversations. I'm picturing Johanna. She comes home and, uh, and chooses there, and he says, hey, honey, the visa bill came today. 
And there's all these charges in Capernaum. You know, do you know anything about that? And I think that'd be a fun conversation to listen on it, right? Okay, so the critic, the critic, he wasn't representing scriptural we- scripture well when it came to men and women and, and their activity in, in the Bible. Well, let's take a look quickly at that idea of Peter being the first in the tomb. He says, nope, you know, it was, a, it was Peter was the first one there. Everyone knows this. This movie's heresy. Well, I didn't see the movie. The movie may or may not have heard heresy in it, but he's not right on this point. Let's take a look. Luke 24. We'll stay in that same book. Let's go to verse 1. Here's what it says. And they're describing that first Easter morning. On the first day of the week, meaning Sunday, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone had been rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. You know, and who were these mystery women that entered the tomb? Some of these names might sound familiar as we continue to read, picking up with verse 9. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the disciples. It was Mary Magdalene, it was Joanna, it was Mary the mother of James, and others with them who told the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Well, what had happened is what the women said had happened. He just didn't uh, believe them. And, and, okay, sorry to go off on this tangent, but I was picturing the conversation in Johanna's house again on, on Easter Sunday morning. I'm picturing, you know, Chooses there, and he's got the sports scroll, and he, he's reading it, you know, and, and, uh, and I'm picturing that his, his wife comes back, and he says, Honey, you were sure up early today. What's up? You know, I'm just, that's funny to me. And so, but that's just me. All right, so uh, here's, here's, the, here's the point. From the beginning... God has used men and women. From the beginning of Christianity, from, well, I would argue from the beginning, beginning, God has included both men and women in his plan to redeem and restore and reconcile this broken world to himself. And we aren't going to be able to get into all the nuances of all of that because there's all kinds of, of, of trails we could run off on. But just today, if we can just lock this in, that God has included both men and women in his plan to redeem and restore and reconcile this broken world to himself. Today is part three of a three-part series. And what we've been looking at in this series is how do we represent ourselves well to the world? Represent ourselves well as people who claim to be followers of Jesus. How do we do that well together? We have all kinds of different series where we talk about how do you do that as an individual. How do we do that well together? What I want to focus in on our last day of this series How do we do that well together as men and women? How do we represent God? How do we do do effective 21st century evangelism well as men and women? All right, well, let's jump right in. If you have your yellow sheets, let's pull them out. Here's something I'd encourage you to write down. This is, we opened the series with this one. You know, nothing is going to do more to help or hinder our outreach than the way we relate to one another. One person can go out and say anything, but when you've got a group of people all saying the same thing, that people are more likely to take notice. Well, I, I was thinking of how to illustrate this, and, and I'm, I'm, this is going to shock some of you who knew, who've known me for a while. I'm going to be coaching a soccer team this year. Woo-hoo. <laughs> and the reason why some people are like, really? Because I don't play soccer. You know, I don't know how to play. So I don't know how to kick the ball right, you know? And I'm going to be the head coach of the soccer team. Well, um, for my daughter, Andra, here's a picture of Andra. This is one of her friends, one of her friends in Juarez, one, her Mexican sister. Uh, Marcella. So uh, you can probably guess which one 
is with me. But he, we, these are, these are our, 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 my, my daughter, Andra. I'm going to be coaching her soccer team. Why? Because they needed someone to step up. They needed someone to step up. It's as simple as that. So I call the moms and dads together for our parent meeting. All right? We had it on Tuesday. Our big parent meeting. And I did my best because I'm like, all right, we have to unite around a vision here. We've got to unite around a vision. So I did my best to cast a vision. I said, we are going to give these kids a season that they're not going to forget. And I talked about, okay, we're, how we're, our, t- our colors were orange, coincidentally, or maybe with a little work on my part. Our colors are orange and black and white. And so I'm thinking, we've got to have mascots, right? So we are going to be a team that has mascots, all right? This is U10 girls soccer recreational league. We can have mascots, all right? So we're going to have these mascots. And, and, and in the back, some of you recognize Bob. Bob makes a lot of appearances this is Coach Bob now. How we're going to use Coach Bob, I don't know, but we're going to have Coach Bob. So I had Coach Bob there at the meeting. And I said, we're going to have, this, we're going to have Coach Bob, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And then I was so blessed because Cam, could you do this? Cam, he knows how to play soccer. And Cam, and Cam is going to be an assistant coach. So our assistant coach knows how to play soccer. Head coach doesn't. Assistant coach does. I can bring people together. I can strategize. He can actually teach them to kick the ball well. So we've got... We got Coach Cam. I told him we're going to laugh a lot, and we're going to put a competitive team on the field, and we will set the gold standard for, for in the in NSSA, U10, recreational soccer. We will set the gold standard for, for sports person girlship and also for teamwork. That's going to be us. And it was so fun to watch these parents catch the vision. It was hilarious. This was, these were men and women who vote differently, they come from very different economic backgrounds. This is a group that had never been a group before. This is people, some had, but, but others hadn't. And it was so fun to watch as they united around this common vision. One mom stepped up. She said, I'll be the team manager. Another mom got us a great practice field at a great time. Two dads stepped up, and they know how to play soccer too. And they said, we can help out. We got to the end of the meeting, and it was, just, it was funny. We got to the end of the meeting, and I didn't really know how to close the meeting because I always close with prayer. And I, I said, well, <laughs> sorry about this. It's the most awkward closing ever, but my day job's a pastor, and I normally close with prayer. And I, I don't feel I can just do that right now, so bye. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> That's pretty much how it went. And can't, you know, and so, and, but here's the thing. I, so I, I did my beautiful dismissal, and people didn't leave. There was a wild game going on. They came in their jerseys, one of them did. And, and they didn't leave because there was an energy that was released around this vision for their kids. It was cool. A magnetic energy was in the room. One of the guys even said, and I'm not ma- making this up, one of, the, one of the dads even said, how are we going to keep this dynasty together? He said, <laughs> we haven't even had our first practice yet. And he's talking dynasty. I just loved it. Loved it. So... I think you can see where I'm going with this, right? This is just U10 NSSA recreational soccer. It's not even the traveling team. And people got excited about a vision for that. There's there's not a place to to officially write this down in your notes, but would you write this down? I was thinking, we've got to put this up on the screen today. Magnetic power is unleashed when we unite as men and women around a common cause. Magnetic power. People want to be a part of something when men and women come together around a good and noble cause. 
how much more magnetic power could be released if as men and women we could unite around a vision that God's given us as his people to restore this broken world, to redeem it, to help it to become more like God created it to be. Well, let's talk about this men and women piece. Christianity, there is a place to write this one down. Christianity forever changed the way that men and women relate to one another. And I added, you know, and our broken world, not just to each other, but to a broken world. Christianity forever changed the way that men and women relate to one another and to our broken world. Let me give you just a couple quick examples. We've been looking at Luke for the last many weeks. Let's just look at Luke. Here's some examples in Luke. Men and women working together. I love how Luke opens. Luke opens when they're talking about Jesus' birth with Mary's perspective. I'd encourage you to compare Matthew and, uh, and Luke. Why do we have multiple Gospels? Because there's different things that are emphasized. Matthew emphasizes Joseph's perspective. Luke emphasizes Mary's perspective. The testimony in Luke of a prophet Simeon is reinforced by the prophetess Anna. A Pharisee hosts Jesus in his home. He's called out, not in a good way, He's called out, and a sinful woman is lifted up. Women fund Jesus' ministry. They travel with him and the disciples. We just looked at that one. Here's some more examples. A woman's healing on the Sabbath parallels a man's healing in the Sabbath. In Luke 15, 1 through 10, the parable of lost sheep featuring a male shepherd is immediately followed by the parable of lost coin featuring a woman. Women were among the last at the cross. They were among the first to witness the res. Well, they were the first to witness the resurrection. And this is one I want to just touch on briefly. Jesus affirms Mary's place at his feet. Now, I remember I was going door-to-door once. I worked uh, in, in the heart of Minneapolis, and uh, we'd go door-to-door before our, our pro- summer programs would start, and we'd go to the homes, and we'd knock, and, and we'd invite parents. That they said, we'll have this free program for your kids. It was a really tough neighborhood. And, and I remember coming to one door and uh, knocked on it, and this, this woman answered, and I introduced herself. She goes, oh, you're a Christian, and she just blazing. And she's like, Christianity is so sexist. And she says, like there's that part where this woman comes and is at Jesus' feet, she says. And, and what Jesus should have said was, rise, O woman, and stand with me, and together, side by side, we'll cut. Okay, you know, I'm just going on. So that's a no, then, with the kids. And, and uh, here's, this, this is, look at, here's some insight into this. Let's look at the actual passage. 10, 38 through 42. This is familiar to many of you. This is a story of Martha and Mary. It's a contrast. Jesus and his disciples were on their way. Jesus comes to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. This is an affirmation. Luke wrote two volumes that we have in the scripture. He wrote Luke and Acts. Let's let's go to Acts. Acts chapter 22, verse 3. Look at this. If you have a literal translation... Instead of a paraphrase, it's going to say this. Paul, I, Paul, am a Jew. I was educated where? At the feet of Gamaliel. At the feet was a place where a disciple sat. Jesus is saying, she's chosen well. This woman who's in a place of discipleship has chosen well. Let me tell you, the ancient world had never seen a community like that. They had never seen a community like the church before. Uh, The vision that God had given in days of old, it was now taking shape. Last week, Nick read to us from Acts 2. Here's a smashed-down version of a section that he read. This This is what's happening. I will pour out my spirit, he read, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. On my male servants, my female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. 
This is an excerpt from what some believe is the first Christian ser- uh, sermon. And it's a man named Peter. He's a, he's a fisherman. And he, he, he's talking after the Holy Spirit had been poured out on these men and women. He, he's, he's saying, quoting from, from the Old Testament, from the prophet Joel. And he's saying, this thing right here that we're experiencing is that. This thing that we're experiencing where the Spirit is being poured out on men and women is that. That prophecy. The vision that God had given us through the prophets. It is coming to pass. God has poured out a Spirit on men and women. Let me introduce you to one of them. A woman named Priscilla from the, the Scriptures. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts 18, starting with verse 24. Acts 18, starting with verse 24. Priscilla and her husband had been exiled from Rome. The Emperor Claudius, this is historical stuff, Emperor Claudius said, get the Jews out of here, so they got kicked out. She and her husband eventually ended up in Ephesus, and that's where this account takes place. Meanwhile, we read, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Priscilla... And her husband heard him. They invited him to their home and they explained to Apollos the way of God more adequately. Now, if you read through the whole New Testament, you see Apollos pop up a couple places. He was a rock star. He was a rock star preacher. In fact, so much of a rock star preacher, people began to say, I, Paul, forget him. I'm with this guy. I'm Apollos. He rocks, man. He can talk. But here we've got, in the early church, God used a husband and a wife to sharpen Apollos, Apollos' doctrine. In the kingdom of God, which is anywhere where people look to God as king, men and women unite around a common call. And when we treat each other with dignity and respect, when we lay down our personal agendas for the sake of a greater cause, the world sees that and they take notice. I'll never forget, um, I went down to visit uh, two of our, our members, they've since moved away, but two of our members who were serving in Haiti, Ryan and Melissa Alberts. And I remember talking to Ryan, and he said, you know, the, the guys around here, they see the way I treat Melissa, and they, they will literally ask me, why don't you beat your wife? That's the question. They, why don't you beat your wife? And you hear a question like that, and you, you, you then stop to remember, look at the impact that the Judeo-Christian worldview has, and movement has had on our country. You know, our country is founded on Judeo-Christian principles, and, and, and we see this. We can forget how radically Christianity changed the world. Who was at the forefront of protecting women from violence and oppression? It was the church. Who was at the forefront of ensuring women weren't treated as property? It was the church. Who was at the forefront of ensuring that both men and women learned to read and write? It was the church. And because of their efforts the efforts of those who came before us. Today, in this area, these, those things are a given. Those are a given. So when women's advocacy is now the air we breathe, can we still stand out as God's people? I would say yes. I'm going to give you three areas. These seem like common sense, but if we did these three things well, we would shine from every other organization, almost every other organization around Let me give you three things. What if, and these are all community-related, things that we do together. What if Christian men and women served each other as Jesus served? 
What if Christian men and women served each other as Jesus served? In organizations around our nation, the battle of the sexes is all too real. It can take the form of a good old boy network that installs shatterproof glass ceilings. It can also take the form of discrimination lawsuits that sometimes do more to harm than to do good. In our culture, you know, just in our culture, men and women, for the most part, they're looking out for themselves. Almost exclusively. Looking out for themselves. What if, when you invited family, friends, coworkers here, they saw that there's nobody here racing to the front of the line. That we're all racing to what? We're racing to the back. What if they saw that? Can you imagine how we'd stand out? Take something as simple as serving coffee in the library, or in the, the lobby out there, all right? Something as simple as serving coffee. What if at our church, among us, what if the line of our people was longer to say, I get to volunteer this week, I get to volunteer this week. What if that line was longer than the line to fill your cup? Do you think people would take notice on that? What? You know, what do you mean you have people lining up to say, it's my turn to serve? That would stand out. I long for that day, and I don't even drink coffee, you know? <laughs> it has nothing to do with me getting a cup of coffee. It has everything to do with, with us getting it, getting Christianity 101, you know, getting the example of our master, Jesus of Nazareth, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He made himself instead nothing, taking the form of a servant. What if the people you invited when they came, there wasn't a single guy here, there wasn't a single guy who's like, coffee, that's woman's work, you know? What if they never bumped into that attitude? Oh, one guy, though, caught me after service, he played himself all serious, and he's like, pastor, got to challenge you on that one. Pouring coffee is man's work. He brews. I'm like, ah, you got me there, buddy. You got me. So what if there were no men that were saying, oh, that's women's work. That's women's work, right? And on the other side, on the other side, what if when they came here, there weren't any women who were running around screaming saying, woman, get away from that coffee pot. Don't, don't serve the men. You'll set us back 50 years. Thou art liberated from the percolator, blah, 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 blah. You know, what if our women instead just said, hey, it's not about that. I'm just following the example of Jesus. It's not about serving a man. It's not about serving a woman. It's just about serving. You know, what if that's what they saw here? We weren't, we weren't having power plays on who should be doing what as much as we were just saying, how can I serve? How can I step up? How can I serve? What if we caught that vision? Do you think some people would be excited about it? What if among us they saw men and women voluntarily following the example of Jesus of Nazareth who came not to be served but to serve? And here's another thing. What if among us there weren't all these rigid camps? You know, I, I get people, they come up to me and are, are you in the patriarchal camp? Or are you in the egalitarian camp? Or are you in the complementarian camp? I'm like, I'm in the individualitarian camp, you know? I, 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 what if instead of having these rigid little boxes, we were just slow to put anybody in a box? You know, I, if you want to do expository teaching well, you both zoom in and you zoom out. When you zoom out, look at the book of Acts. Zoom out on that. And you see in the book of Acts, there are paradigms that are getting shattered. There are, there are, there are expectations that are just getting shattered. You, you see that there are dividing walls, including walls between men and women, that are getting shattered. 
if the book of Acts, when you zoom out, if it teaches us anything, doesn't it teach us you hold those scriptures tightly with one hand and then you also look to the Spirit. You do both of those things. I don't know, I think sometimes you miss the forest for the trees. What if we just served each other, just served each other as Jesus served? All right, here's another one. What if Christian men and women exhibited unparalleled commitment to our marriage vows? If you're married, what if we did that? Unparalleled commitment to our marriage vows. What if we stopped saying, here's how all you should act in your marriages. What if we paid just laser-like focus to our marriage vows? You know, you look in this society, marriage vows, what? Oh, yeah, that thing that we said in that little ceremony. What if outsiders saw us who were married? We were holding doors. And it's really easy at the community center. You just go wave your hand in front of that little laser thing and they open up. All right, what if they saw us holding doors and holding hands and we brought each other coffee? There's no your turn for coffee, my turn for coffee. There's just, how can I serve you? What if they saw that? And what if the conversations they overheard when they saw groups of of hubbies and wives together? What if it wasn't, let's rip on our spouse? What if that, that conversation they overheard, like with moms and dads, what if it was the dad saying, here's how I'm going to make Mother's Day extra special this year? And what if with the women, here's how I'm going to make Father's Day extra special? What if that's what they heard? And what if they saw a community of people who instead of pointing fingers to society, what if they saw a community of people who challenge and encourage each other like no one else in our pursuit of for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others. So help me God. Anyone know anyone that would like to be a part of a community like that? <laughs> exactly. All right, let me give you one more, and it, it deals with that forsaking all others. I get fired up on this one. What if Christian men and women treated each other like brothers and sisters? What if we did that? Oh, we'd shine. While the Christian community was still in its infancy, we began to challenge each other. We began to challenge each other and say, if you're not married to that person, treat them like a brother or a sister in Christ. That was from our beginning. You look at how many religions back in the time of Christianity had temple prostitution. There were no disciples of Jesus that engaged in temple prostitution. In fact, we, we from our earliest, earliest writings, we were saying things like, among you, you should avoid even a hint of sexual immorality. Even a hint. And we got that from our master. Our master taught us. He said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I tell you, don't even look at another woman in a way that you shouldn't. That's what our master taught us. Do you know, do you have any idea how we would stand out if we applied that? You know, I, I'm picturing in my head, Oh, this would be so fun. I'm picturing in my head a conversation, an imaginary conversation happening right now downstairs in the fitness center between two women at the treadmill, all right? Imagine if this was going on. Woman number one, she's on her treadmill, right? She's walking, she's talking, number two. And she says, you know, I love working out here on Sundays. And person number two says, yeah, me too. I love it because I use that upper entrance. And person number one says, I was going to say the same thing. I use that upper entrance. Yep, upper entrance, there's probably 200 guys up there and none of them make me feel creepy. None of them make me feel creepy. And, and woman number two says, you know what? I've got a friend who works at Grumpy's. Works at Grumpy's. And once a month, there's a group of guys that comes into Grumpy's. And, and, and she says, those guys are like that. 
those guys are like that. She goes, Where, why aren't there more guys like those guys? I wonder if they're from the same church. And then I, I, picture, I picture group number one, you know, woman number one, and she's saying, you know what? I got a teenage son. She now must have hit pause on her treadmill. Um, she, she says, <laughs> she says, I, and boom, and she flies back. You know, so. <laughs> epic fail, right? And she, she says, I got a teenage son. I wonder if they have a youth program because I would love for my boy to get mentored by men like that. Wouldn't that be cool? And if we did that, can you imagine how we would stand out from every business and every club and every bar and every place where men gather in the world, you know, pretty much? Can you imagine that? One of the classiest things I've ever seen was, um, it was a Super Bowl party. And uh, class and Super Bowl parties, <laughs> always go together. And, uh, and it, it was when I was uh, in my former life as a youth director, and we, we would have sometimes have Super Bowl parties. And we, went, we played some hardcore football. We played hardcore. And we come back in, and back before I used to think about lawsuits and stuff like that, you know. And, and, um, and we came back in, and, and we're, we're watching the game. And this was back in the 90s, and I think it was probably the first time that a Victoria's Secret commercial ever appeared on the Super Bowl. And I didn't say anything. I just, that the commercial comes up and the high school guys, I didn't say a thing. The high school guys, commercial comes on. What did they do? They went like this. Are you kidding me? Victoria's Secret commercial's over there. Their eyes went over here. How classy is that? So high school guys, get me a new story. That one's from the 90s. Come on. Get me a new story. I'll even give you an idea. I'll give you an idea, guys. Here's what you could do. Youth group fires up this fall. Guy, new guy comes in, and he thinks he's all Mr. Mac Daddy, right? What if, what if our, what if, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, right? He comes in, he's all Mr. Mac Daddy. He comes in, our junior and senior guys come up, and they say, hey, can we talk to you? I say, you know what? That's not how we treat our girls here. That's somebody's daughter. You know, that's possibly someone's future wife. Around here, we treat the girls with respect. I'd love to tell that story. There you go. Softball, I pitched it right up, man. <laughs> you know, and here's the thing. If we do this, the mainstream is going to mock us. Absolutely. They're going to mock us if we do this. They're going to call us old-fashioned. They'll say, you're a bunch of monks and nuns. Heard that before. If we live this out, the haters are going to come out of the woodwork. Absolutely they will. But let me tell you what else is going to happen. There's going to be some people who say, give me a drink of that Kool-Aid because I am parched. I am sick of all the he versus she in my workplace. I am sick of hanging around guys who just treat women like they're objects. I am sick of listening to women that are constantly ripping on men. Do you think there's anyone that longs for something different? We've used, so far in this series, we've used the movie Back to the Future as a jumping-off point, a jumping-off point for this series. And it, many of you have probably seen it. Here's, here's a picture of an unlikely couple that were at the center of the movie Back to the Future. It was George and Lorraine. And this is a movie that involves time, tri- time travel. And in timeline number one, everything changed when Lorraine just reached out in compassion for this guy. It, it started a whole new history. And then in timeline two, the guy was willing to sacrifice himself to be able to help this woman. 
And when they both did their part, it was both those timelines coming together. You don't even have Marty McFly unless the first one works, right? When you get both of these guys doing, if Lorraine hadn't done her part in the first timeline, if George hadn't done his part in the second, the movie never would have had a happy ending. In 80s movies, got to have a happy ending in 80s movies, right? But together as a man and a woman, they created a better future. And when God created the world, he, gave, he created us in his image, and the word says it was male and female in his image. And together we've been called to partner with God in restoring that which is broken. And when we do, that magnetic power is released. People see something different in us, and they say, I want to be a part of that. Well, as we bring this whole series to a close, I want to leave you with one vivid example. This example is just two verses long. It's so easy to miss this. If you have your Bibles, it's Acts 21, verses 8 through 9. Acts 21, 8 through 9. Let me give you this vivid example. Here is evangelism that changed the world right here. The word says, On our way to Jerusalem, we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and we stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Now, it's so easy. This thing is just two, two, two verses. This is rich. Let's start with Philip, the evangelist. Again, here's what evangelism that changed the world looks like. The text says that this Philip was one of the seven. One of the seven. If you had been reading this from start to finish, you'd go one of the seven. Oh, that was at the beginning of Acts. In the beginning of Acts... The Holy Spirit was poured out on men and women, and this thing started to explode. And so the, the early church said, we've got to get some people to help here. And they got seven men to, to take care of the widows, the women, these, this group of women. So they get these seven men, and, and Philip was one of them. You men, make sure you take care of these widows. Make sure their needs are not overlooked. All right? So that's at the beginning. And as Acts unfolds, as we move from those early chapters to Acts 21, we start to see women aren't just the recipients. They're not just the recipients of God's work through the church. They become instrumental in it. And we see that included in this little passage because what were Philip's daughters doing? They were prophesying. I'll pour out my spirit, the word said, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. But there's even more here than that, isn't there? There's more here than that. The scripture says, on our way to Jerusalem, we entered the house. One of the people included in that we was a man named Paul. And Philip, when Paul came to his door, Philip said, come on in. Philip said, let me introduce you to my family. Philip said, Paul, while you're here, my house is your house. Which is absolutely remarkable. I wonder when Paul, who used to be called Saul said to Philip, who was one of the seven, I'm sorry I killed your friend. Sorry I killed your friend. Because one of the seven was a young man named Stephen. And when an enraged crowd in the beginning of Acts rushed Philip's friend Stephen, dragged Stephen out of the city, and killed him with stones, Garments were laid at the feet of a man named Saul. And now, years later, bitter enemies are breaking bread. We introduced at the beginning of the series this illustration. We said, this is the book of Acts. 
something really small became something really big. That example I just gave you that the scriptures gave us, that's the evangelism that changed the world. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you have given us such a great cloud of witnesses. Thank you for these vivid examples like Philip and his daughters who welcomed in a man who had once killed Philip's friend. Thank you for the example of Philip and his daughters where we can see it's men and women, it's young and old, it's all of us in this together, this invitation you've given us to to bring reconciliation to your world and restoration to your world. And we thank you for the witness. And, and, and God, we come and we're sorry. The things that we have divided over, the things that we've made issue out of, the forgiveness that we've withheld towards people who are supposed to be our brothers and sisters in the church, the grudges, the, the way we've, we've ripped them behind their backs. Forgive us, Father, for we've sinned. We ask, Father, for a fresh outpouring of your spirit, that you would convict us, that you would fill us with your wisdom and knowledge and compassion and joy and peace and self-control and all the things that we need to be your body, men and women, coming together, locating the destiny that you have for us as individuals and as a body. Father, help us to to surrender everything to you, to, to look to you and you alone as our king, and to say, here we are. How can we serve you today? Unite us around that vision. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to let you know as we close here today, I want to give you an invitation. Um, there's people that would love to pray with you, and they're already in spot right over there. If you'd like to pray about any of the things we talked about today, if there's anything else that we can pray for you for, we'd love to do that. So we encourage you just to, to join up there um, after, after, uh, after we dismiss. Well, I do love to leave people with a blessing. Nice to get a blessing, at least one blessing during the week, right? So would you please stand? Let me pray a blessing over us as we go forth from this, this place. Let me ask God to give us a blessing. Father, we, we begin by asking a blessing to be poured out on all of the moms here. Whatever stage of motherhood they're in, we pray for your blessings to, to flood over them. We pray for those who, who have babies on the way. We pray for those who, who have little ones in their home. We pray for those who have teenage or adult kids. We also pray for those that have babies in heaven. We pray for all those moms, whatever it is that they need. We pray that that you'll provide abundantly for them. And Lord, we pray that you'll specifically bless us too with, with a vision of what could happen if we lay down all of the cultural junk and we seek to become your people. Lord, teach us. We pray for your spirit and your word to help us to better understand what it could be like and what it will be like when we all serve you the way we should and serve each other the way we should. Will you bless us with a better knowledge of that and a, and a passion to live that out? Bless us like that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great, great, great week.